welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. You're invited to listen in to an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics between your co-hosts, Scott Jones and Bill Bohr. Regardless of topic, Bill and Scott offer intelligent insights and critiques, sometimes funny, occasionally contentious, but always remaining friends. Now, here are Scott and Bill. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 273. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. Bill, here we are on a Tuesday. It's Tuesday again. Yeah. Country very much reeling. You know, it's, it's interesting to me. Um, you know, we keep waiting for a critical mass about, um, you know, the, the mass shootings in this country. Again, many of us thought that... Um, a bunch of six and seven year olds and their teacher slaughtered in Connecticut might be the tipping point or high school kids being shot in Florida or you know, pick the country or people being shot at a country music festival. Uh, you, know, you keep waiting for or a group of people shot in South Carolina praying. Um, I, a group of uh, folks shot in Pittsburgh in a synagogue praying. You, you keep waiting for the critical moment. Uh and then this past weekend, so there there seems to be a, um, you know, there at least seems to be people calling folks out. For instance, the fact that Mitch McConnell um, uh, is sitting on, has been sitting on a number of things, you know, including making our elections safer. He's been sitting on that legislation. Uh, why is a good question. Um, one that he doesn't seem to feel a need to answer or no one's compelled him to answer yet. And the same thing with some uh, background check bill that's been sitting on his desk. But um, he seems to be at least a little rattled he's being called out. Uh, that doesn't make anything any less bad for all the people who are suffering. And uh, particularly in you know, the El Paso, of course, we, you know, we, we didn't really talk much about the uh, shooting in California at the Garlic Festival. But that person was targeting um, uh, Latinos uh, as well. And... Uh, what happened on um, was that what was it Friday? Yeah, it was Friday. Yeah. right. What happened Friday was the single largest um, you know, mass slaying of Latinos in a uh, purposely um, that this country has seen. At least that's <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you can go back to certain horrendous incidents on the border in past times, but this certainly in this age of the mass shooting, this is the worst atrocity against la- the Latino population in one of the safest cities. In the country, it always ranks as one of the one or two safest cities in the country. Uh, El Paso, a great, great city. I've never been to El Paso. Yeah, it's a wonderful place. A lot. So uh, you know, uh, again, there's a lot of um, you know. Uh, you did, re- you did, and I, I appreciate, I appreciate your reminding us that prayers and good thoughts do have a place. Uh, I, yeah. So you, you re, you re, uh, re posted an article you wrote a while back, and uh, I think it's a good reminder so people can see that. It was originally posted on the Mocking Mockingbird site, but you reposted it on your own site. Is that right? I just tweeted it out the Tweet. way to it. Yeah. Twitter. Twitter. Twitter, yeah. where most people become worse people. And <laughs> I probably am. I, I would guess I'm, I fit into that some of the time. You, Although I tend to not. You tend to be pretty restrained. I, well, I just tend to not tweet individual sentiments i tend to tweet retweet other people retweet things and highlight things i tend to not editorialize a lot but when i do i'm i'm probably a terrible person like most people on twitter well your mother-in-law liked your post thank you thank you and i will see you on friday because i will be in michigan very good and i will see 
Father Ken Tanner, our friend. I will see him. I think he's going to come visit and, you know, hang out a little bit with me. That'll be nice. Yeah. yeah. He's always a great guy to spend yeah. time with. Very nice. See family, see friends. All right. Good. Well, traveling mercies. Um, so, you know, so will there be action? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, certainly because uh, it's in the middle of a campaign, maybe that'll keep some, some pressure if on. If not to act, is to act. There will be action. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, the president, at least uh, when he was reading the teleprompter, said there would be something, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I read this study that was done by health medical professionals. It's really interesting. And they said that and it was nonpartisan. I mean, there were people that, of course, they're very frustrated that Congress won't let the NIH, the National Institute of Health, study gun violence. They're not, that's forbidden to do. Uh, so it's just, you're not allowed to study it. Oh, but, by the way, in our, one of our senators, Senator Pat Tooney, said today that really assault weapons are like recreational guns. So they really can't be regulated. Depends it's, what you consider recreational. Uh, I know. Sure. Yeah, yeah they, they said that, 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 that gun, strict gun laws seem to make no impact on mass shootings because the places that have high mass shooting instances like California Connect have, have very strict gun laws. And they said that – now, they think that it looks like gun laws – do seem to curb gun violence in general, but they don't do anything with mass shootings. And they said that the statistics were interesting. They said that the things two that correlated, although they couldn't say cause I, but they were uh, mental health. Oh, uh, there was something related to mental health and also something related to open carry stuff. Right. Uh, they, but the, the, they said though that things that create seem to create the pressure cooker for mass shootings were dense areas where people, had lower than normal social interactions. So if the average people you have social interactions with is 13 or something, this was something like 11, where there are, there's lower relative access to mental health. There were several things that seemed to be the factors that they identified as things that contribute to mass shooting, and most of them are demographic. Right. Uh, so it's so interesting. So like when you look into the stuff, it's like uh, these things are just complex. Well, you know, I think the, one of the things I think, uh, and um, Dr. Eddie Glaud, Glaud, how do you pronounce his last name? Eddie Glaud. Eddie Glaud had a really poignant um, few minutes the other day on, I guess it was one of the MSNBC, and I put it on Resident Exile, where he did try to put this idea of, of racial violence in its larger context of this country. And I, I do, one of the things that I think he is so right on is that we as a country don't really grapple enough with the shadow side of our history. Uh, and the fact is that um, so much of our economic gain, our territorial supremacy, even the uh, acquisition of resources, all of that is very connected to a long history of exploitation of vulnerable people um, whether it be, you know, the genocide of Native American populations, the uh, forced labor of slavery, uh, and or of uh, cheap labor of you know Irish immigrants, Italian immigrants, Chinese immigrants. I mean, you know, you you hear the stories of uh, of what happened to those folks. I mean, uh, in Delaware County, they found a mass grave of like thirty to forty Irish men. Uh, who had died from, a, I guess they got diphtheria or typhoid or something, and they were just buried in a massive grave because they were working on railroads and living in horrendous you know, conditions. 
So, <clears throat> you know, so much of the wealth of this country really was built on the back of cheap, exploited uh, people. And I think that is – that's part of the story. You know, that doesn't take away, you know, those folks who work hard. It doesn't It doesn't in any way minimize people who um, – who do work hard, but you know, most of the rich people that I've met, and I've met a lot of wealthy people in my life, the mass majority of them are rich because they inherited it from somebody else. Uh, and um, uh, so there's a sense where um, I think that we have to kind of own that. I think the idea that the original sin of this, of North of, of United States is, is racism in one way or the other. And so the fact is this is who we are. You know, people, you know, he, he goes on to say, you know, Donald Trump is not the cause. He's a manifestation. And, um, you know, I, I do think part of why he got elected was not only because Hillary Clinton was a, a weak candidate, but because there was a backlash because we had a intelligent African-American man as president. I think there that. So I think that that's a very real part of our story of our national story. Uh, we have a tolerance for violence uh, in this country that no other developing country has in the world. I mean, that's just, that's just the facts. I mean, you look at the number of gun deaths percentage wise, it's just uh, incredible. There's been what two mass shootings in uh, great Britain in the last 25 years. And, they did something after the first one. They, those kids that were killed in Scotland, and there's only been one since then. So I, uh, you know, I, I think that that's just part of our libertarianism. It's it's not unrelated to also a not only tolerance of racism, but sometimes perpetuating it. And also, we we were formed in violence as a people, and that's been a big part of our national character. Um, so that that's part of the story, and I think we have to own that part of the story. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree there. Now, I sent you an article that I read about on the New York Times about one of the other things that a number of these mass shootings, and this includes not only the ones in this country, but uh, the ones the one in Christchurch. Uh, uh, a certain, uh, I guess, what would do you, you think? The atheists. I mean, New Zealand's not like a particularly religious country. I, I mean, I think it's got sort of the post religious religious kind of yeah. secular right do you think people resent that like do you think there's ever movements like hey can we just call this town like what well, churchville that's still true i don't know what would you call it like i mean you know, I, I you'd, don't have, know. you'd have to change you'd have to change a couple don't you think it'd just be like hey it seems very parochial if you're not religious, yeah I don't, I don't know i don't know but this idea of uh that they're the you know is it the deep web or is it just uh you don't have to go that deep to find um, websites that really they they have done some studies and they draw parallels to how people got radicalized through uh, and recruit ultimately recruited for ISIS. Some of the same dynamics are present with these white supremacist uh, uh, discussion groups or whatever you want to call them. This one, the one that the number were involved in, the one they just shut, kind of shut down was it? What was that? Was it Channel Eight or what was it called? The one that all these uh, white supremacists they they posted their manifestos before they. They went um, because they just have been interviewing the guy who who designed it was advocating that it be shut down. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it's interesting the parallels, right? That that you have these kind of things that are 
organic in nature, right? I mean, not, the, you know, what do you, how do you, how do you stop something or combat something that doesn't have a state or a, you know, there's that, or, a, you know, the, the, I mean, apparently this guy who was the El Paso shooter, right? I mean, he, you know, it's not, he wasn't reporting to a sort of uh, union of white supremacists. No, like no. The, you know I mean? I mean, there, and his ideology was kind of weird, right? I mean, there were, there was sort of invasion language, sound like Donald Trump. There was also environmentalist language. He was with the Green New Deal. I mean, this guy was really. I, I mean, when you talk about homegrown, I mean, it, it, it's kind of bizarre. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is it, this is the world we live in, right? I mean, yeah. Well, it's, it's the it's the you know the shadow side of all the great things about the internet. But there's a sense where. You don't need to, you know, I, I, I'm watching, uh, it's actually really good, The Last Czar on, is it Netflix? I think it's Netflix. I'm, uh, it's it's a combination, there's a drama, it's like a docudrama. Sometimes those things work, sometimes they don't, but they have, you know, they'll do acting things out. And the guy playing Rasputin is awesome. <laughs> and then they'll have, like, historians talking. So it's actually pretty interesting. But it's... Uh, I mean, it it was a little harder putting together a revolution in those days. You know, you had to go gather, you had to, you know, you had to have secret meetings and things like that. So, I guess they yeah, didn't. Yeah, and, and, and previous generations, if you wanted to be like a, a white nationalist racist or do something really deviant sexually, you had to risk a lot of social shame. Now, zero. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and, really, and, and, you know, right. You don't even have to walk into a CD bookstore. I mean, you can really get it all. Through you know Comcast. Well, we probably you know we all know people who've become. I mean, you know, we all kind of get obsessed with our technology and probably spend too much time. Speak for yourself. Like, at any rate, but we've all been around, or we all know of people who've become you know, unhealthily, whether it be video games, whether it be you know online pornography. We've all, or most of us, have, words with friends. Words with friends. Alec Baldwin, like got yeah, I know, I kicked out of an airplane. Yeah, because it works. But or, or just even the Facebook. Yeah, how long we end? You know, sometimes the, the admits, you know, uh, or all those things. Um, but there are apparently vulnerable people. Not apparently, there are because we've seen them happen. Vulnerable people who get they 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 again they get dragged in and in. I mean, ISIS really started by uh, Zakari was a was a you know sociopath criminal and. Uh, but one of his times in prison, he kind of got connected with a more religious figure and this apocalyptic worldview that kind of, you know, there's no kind of strategy behind it other than killing as many people as possible as part of, you know, you're, you are encouraged to do that because we're starting a revolution. It's a different kind of thing, obviously, than what ISIS was trying to do. But there is a lot of the same kind of apocalyptic language. Uh, that was what was particularly problematic with using the word invasion. And the word that was used, by the way, 200 times uh, in, uh, in in President Trump's re-election uh, campaign ads on Facebook, he's used that word continually in speeches. And so that plays into this apocalyptic narrative. Uh, you know, the fact that the Hispanic people here first doesn't seem to get in anybody, anybody's uh, – that doesn't seem to – you know, don't let the facts get in the way of my uh, – apocalyptic conspiracy theory but these folks are folks are, have been radicalized and and it offers you know you used the earlier the the demographic of people that are somewhat isolated well people who might be socially isolated in the typical ways we used to think of it uh, can be connected with uh, like-minded people all over the world yeah and i guess i mean if nihilism is you know a sort of particularly deleterious reality right like it it 
it offers you meaning. You know, this kind of apocalyptic, nationalistic, racist, destructive ideology. I mean, it does. You know, if if you're living it's kind of meaningless. You know, you think of the beginning of Fight Club where he's sitting on the toilet just ordering stuff from Ikea, you know, and he winds up going to support groups just to get emote, you know. I mean, if you're living that sort of life of quiet desperation in isolation, it may, I guess this is sort of, it offers you a chance to be a hero in a story, you know, to, yeah. to, to be a significant actor and a story of your subjectivity. Yeah, a story of your own making. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, and that's, again, apocalyptic, um, you know, movements are are often they are fueled by you know these times things are changing in a way that people have trouble wrapping their minds around uh you know I, I do think one of the you know this there is a connection between this and the tea party I think that's something that uh um you know that dr um Cody brought up uh, uh this idea that people were reacting to the fact is my country is changing it's not looking the same whether it be um you know, sexual morality, uh, whether it be um, uh, the idea of civic, uh, civic or civil religion in the public square, it, whether it just be the fact that you know there are a lot of people around me who don't look like me, who don't talk like I do, and there is this kind of this crisis of displacement. Now, you know, often apocalyptic stuff can be. I mean, the U.S. invasion of Iraq is maybe a little more. Uh, you know, a little more dramatic than, um, you know, South Asian folks moving into your neighborhood. But it doesn't tend to be any less dramatic over the long haul for people, at least for some people. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it? because of the conversations you find here. If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month or more? It's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcast projects I've got in the works. So I invite you. To be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Andrew Stravitz, Barry Stewart, Ben Crosby, Ben DeHart, Carol Clemens, Charlotte Donlin, David Norling, David Zoll, Ellis Brazil, Jennifer Spite, Jennifer Underwood, Jim Cress, Joel Wentz, John Schneider, Jonathan Butran, Jordan Mossberger, Josh Redder, Kai Wittenpeg, Larry Rule, Liam O'Brien, Michael Butera, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Konauer, Sari Graham, Simone Garabedi and Stephen Rowe and Jody Stevenson. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, that's okay. So the, other, the other thing that's interesting, too, I was listening to this conversation Jonah Goldberg was having about race with a, a writer who's African-American from Vox who writes about the right for Vox. And he was saying something about how he didn't, how, you know, this writer was saying that the deficit outrage didn't 
seem to matter as much until we had a black president, right? And and Goldberg was saying, look, I mean, it's more complicated than that. And Goldberg was sympathetic to many of her racist or t- talks about racism and the problems of the right. But he was saying, but, you know, I didn't hear anything about race in, in, in National Review editorial board meetings or at Tea Party rallies. I spoke at a couple of them and they didn't like Bush and big government and they didn't, they, but they liked him as a person and they really didn't like McCain and then the bailouts and all this. And, you know, I, I, I take Jonah Goldberg at his word that he didn't hear anything like that, but also it's one of those things that you ask, well, what's below the surface? You know, like right. what are our, our motivations are, are often elusive to us in a, as individuals, let alone the crowd. What does Nietzsche say? Uh, insanity in individuals is very rare in a crowd. It's almost normal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, so I think part of the interrogation, I think we all have to ask on the right and left, wherever we are in America, if we own, any God's idea that this is us. I mean, I think the temptation is it's them, right? right it's, no, it's, no. it's the white nationalists, it's the Trump voters, the deplorable, right. it's the, I mean, there's no, I mean, there's no better sort of platform for self-righteousness than a mass shooting that involves the white nationalists, right? Because everybody can get on and say they have a problem. Trying, but I mean, I think the, the complex racial legacy of the country and, and what all of us, the role we play and, and what motives, you know, are beneath the surface that we don't talk about, you know, what did a, uh, Lee Atwater say, like, you know, you can't use the N-word, so then use this, use state rights, then use this. And then you start you, you start using certain kind of government cuts because it's the idea is it's cutting programs to these people. And and even if you're not, so then even if you're not, if you're far enough downstream that your views in small government are really just because you believe in small government, how to what degree are, are you conscious of the fact that there's a story there? And, and I think, like, the thing about, certain kinds of racism is intention doesn't always matter. It, it, you know, in a court of law, it matters intention, whether you right. hit somebody is it manslaughter or second degree murder. But if we're thinking about like, Hey, these sort of actions disproportionately affect and hamper an entire group of people, uh, you know, intent isn't always quite as important or, or intent can be masked in subtle ways that, you know, maybe that's part of the sort of interrogation we all need to do like of our own, sort of motives and stories where where are we part of the we that eddie cloud was talking about in that in that clip how many woke liberals are living in neighborhoods that uh, gentrified gentrification displaced thousands of of working class and poor blacks uh how many uh, you know white liberals got upset about uh how many african-americans were killed by gun violence in their and you know uh, five miles away, or two two miles away, or twelve blocks away. So I, I agree. I think that you know I, I don't think it helps. Yeah, you know, if we're trying to have a national discourse, you know, when you talk about us and them, then you're then you're really talking about a civil war. <laughs> if you're trying to get, if you're trying to make uh, a, you know a cultural transformation, trying to make some progress on this, or at least you know, let's even say that's trying not to blow ourselves up. That's trying not to. Uh, have little babies have to be uh, raised by their grandparents now because their parents died shielding them buying school supplies at Walmart. I, I don't think that's a too high bar to say, you know, or that kids are afraid to go to school uh, in suburbia uh, because of gun violence. We shouldn't, you know, I frankly, I've spent my entire life working with urban kids who were afraid to uh, um who are afraid to <laughs> who are afraid to go to their school, you know, and uh so at any rate, I mean I think it's um you know, I, I do think 
the as much as we can have a collective problem. The other thing, and this will be up your alley, uh, you know, Nicole Wallace is maybe my favorite uh, journalist who is left of center. I don't know what she is anymore, but uh, she said something right before I came over here that really troubled me because she said, uh, where are all the laws to combat right, white supremacy? Because, you know, the day after, a couple of days after 9-11, we were we were writing laws to help defend us against, uh, you know, terrorism. We go well, okay, time out. <laughs> All those laws are not good, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah, right I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's yeah. a sense where um, we overreacted uh, again, and um, and at least we reacted in a way without having a serious discussion about what kind of civil liberties we gave up. In order to protect ourselves. Now I know that's a tension you have to walk in, but oh my goodness, you know <laughs> I said, well, yeah, that's whoa. First of all, do we really want to change uh, our liberal free speech laws in this country? Do we really want to mess with that uh, in the name of stopping white supremacy? I, I, I for one, hate white supremacy. Grieve these kind of violence. Bold, bold statements. Time, time on the show. Yeah, Bill, Bill's coming out hatred against. That's like um when Rick. Perry was in that one debate. They were like asking him about these forced inoculations for HPV or whatever. And he says, Look, first off, I hate cancer. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you just lost the cancer love and feel out there. That reminds me, I was at a general assembly one time in our committee. We were against malaria. So we yeah. came out strongly against malaria. No, well, all I'm saying is, but I am not at all. Jim mosquitoes are like, I, there was an article in like the New York Times from they were like, Mosquitoes are like the biggest like enemy to the human. They've they've killed more people. Yes, 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 yeah. Bastards. <laughs> but I am I'm very nervous when you start talking about messing with freedom of speech. Well, yeah, I mean, and it is a, it is a, it is you know part of like a, a, a republic like ours, right? Requires a kind of republic of virtue. So like you have these freedoms, and I mean, right. of course, there are certain limits. You can't shout fire in a movie theater, you know, fallaciously. But also, you know. You, we ought to, we have to ask, like, ought we say something? It's interesting. Jonah Goldberg in this conversation was saying something about, about how this woman was saying, you know, the, whenever I've been, the rare times anybody's ever said something I said was prejudiced or racist, my first thought was, oh my gosh, what did I say? I don't want to say that again. How, as opposed to this doubling down. And, and Jonah Goldberg was saying, yeah, I mean, I say this to kids at college campuses all the time. Political correctness has its excesses. Right. But at the, at, the root of it is really a way to find out new manners for a more diverse right. society. And, you know, part of manners is calling people what they want to be called and recognizing and things like that. So, I mean, I think just like a basic decency, <laughs> trying to say, hey, like, ought we, how ought we communicate in ways that, you know, that are trying to give people some, the most respect we can think we can give them, you know, with our limited point of view and how and how much you know we can we can estimate that yeah i, I mean i i think most of us were uh, again i was eight at the time but i i would say most of us would have been been advocating that in 1968 we should be having uh some you know fbi and other folks work on domestic terrorism now we know you know and that's part of you know the accesses that were done and that the fbi was used for political purposes uh, particularly by or attempted anyway by by the uh, Nixon administration, uh, we know some of the horrible attempts to blackmail that uh, J. Edgar Hoover's FBI 
did. But we, we also, you know, learn from that. We, and hopefully, you know, there's been some truth telling around the CIA and some of the things that have been done overthrowing democratically elected governments. So hopefully there's been some... What do you say? That we practiced election meddling. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. What goes around comes around, right? But I, I, I do think this idea that, uh, you know, that for whatever reason, the Trump administration dismantled the domestic terrorism unit that uh, uh, that had been established under Obama. Obviously, that needs to be reinstated. But I think we have to be very careful. I mean, I think we have to be careful overreaching, um, particularly just the remarkable technological tools you have now. I mean, and, um, you know, the other thing, you and I have talked about this before, how much have we given up? My uh, Somebody stole my, uh, somehow someone got a hold of one of my, um, you know, credit cards today, and they had a they had a good time over in New Jersey. Uh, Were they depressed that they didn't have get someone's credit card with a higher credit? I don't know. Well, they they did some damage anyway before they uh, before they got caught. So, I, you know, I think obviously that's we got all kinds of issues by by being who we're how how we're open, but um, you know, I do think we have to be. You know, we have a long history of sometimes the cure being. As bad or worse than than the illness. Now the illness is pretty bad, but um, you know uh, the overall uh, situation where our lead, leaders of our country are not dealing with basic issues that can address these things, and that that needs to change, obviously, and, and that needs to be changed in the ballot box. But um, we have to deal. You know, again, if one more person, politician, says. Uh, you know, we, it's a mental health issue. Well, then stop cutting the mental health budget. This mental health in this country is abysmal. I mean, it is it is uh, it is other world in terms of coverages and things like that, and trying to get help for people. Uh, so, you know, I mean, if you if you actually think it's a mental health issue, then stop cutting funding for mental health. Stop cutting people's Medicare and Medicaid so they can get the mental health they can't afford it. I, I mean, that's. Uh, yes, there is a mental health issue in this country, and a lot of it has to do with funding of mental health and uh, the accessibility that people have. So that that one, I, that I get that one just makes me so frustrated. But I'm, I don't, it makes him so frustrated. He might need mental health. Care I may right need some now. mental health care. He might need a value. But right I don't. Now. I don't know what Mike. I don't know what's covered. Xanax. <laughs> get a Xanax right here. Whether it's covered or not, Xanax uh, on me. Or or you know, just some really good single malt scotch. I'll take that instead. It might be cheap. Well, I don't know. Anyway. But, um, you know, our hearts are broken. Uh, you know, I have a deep love for that part of the country. We've spent a number of years there. And, um, yeah, the beautiful people. And um, they deserve better than this. Uh, and I'm not, you know, no one deserves a mass shooting. But I'm talking about the kind of rhetoric that um, maybe didn't cause this. But certainly um, a lot of people participated, uh, you know, you don't send people home who are already home. Uh, and, um, you know, a, a good reminder today I heard um, uh, that one time Eli Wiesel said, never use the word illegal to talk about a human being. You can say that they're an immigrant who, uh, you know, broke the law to get here, but no human is illegal. Uh, when you start talking that language, uh, it's not hyperbole to say you are in the realm of the Third Reich. And, and if you're against people crossing borders illegally to avoid violence. You can't watch the sound of music. Or you need to look at Jesus a little differently, fleeing into Egypt. And if you're an atheist, remember the sound of music, if you're a fan. 
<laughs> I, I bet you there's a low percentage of atheists who like that musical. I, yeah, I don't know. That, that's one thing. If I, I'm, it's not my favorite, but at any rate. All right. Um, prayers and thoughts to all who are grieving and all who are in harm's way. Yeah, and thank you, everybody, and we will talk to you soon. Hey, listeners. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of New Persuasive Words. Hope you enjoyed Scott and Bill's conversation, and will join us back here next time. Until then, thanks for listening, and God bless.